When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. Coming to you inside One Calorie Studios. This is Score, the podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes, with my co-host, Robert Kraft. Robert, are you caffeinated? I'm over-caffeinated, and I'm also just kind of digging the name One Calorie Studios. Yeah. It's a great pun, but it's also just a wonderful name. It's so legit. So legit and to quit. Uh, our executive producer joins us as well every week, Matt Schrader. Mash. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> There's Hator from last week. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, man. Oh, I love that. We, uh, might, we might use that coming up on the uh, the summer movie review. Yeah, nice. man. You got a summer movie yeah, review for us? Yeah, man. Uh, today's guest, a huge, huge composer in the TV world. One of the most, he's probably the busiest guy in the last 15 oh, years yeah. when it comes to TV. Uh, he's a four-time Emmy-winning composer, 17 times nominated, which is way up there. Yep. And uh, he's also nominated currently for Jessica Jones Season 2, which uh, is a, a show I'm really digging right now. Yep. And uh, he he's Sean Callery. He's done a ton of other shows, though. Let me list these off. 24, Homeland, Elementary, Designated Survivor, Bones, Medium, La Femme Nikita, and, of course, Jessica Jones. So he's... We're going to talk about how busy he's been and how many projects he's worked on simultaneously and and how that varies how from uh, doing film. He is yeah. to create different sounds for each show, really different vibes. Especially at the same time. That's let me just be. say, up there with Game of Thrones, I feel like this intro that 24 always had, you know there's good TV coming, you know? I thought you were going to play the beginning of Homeland, which has that collage yeah. kind of well, we got that too. Voices and naval forces of the United States. I feel like Twenty Four kind of kicked off like the the high quality television series. Wait a minute, are you forgetting a series that was <sighs> sort of well mid eighties? It had a when you think when you think of high quality. <laughs> All right, We're, those clips Next. are getting shorter and shorter every time we get down. I can Just never get enough chord. of that. Who's the boss team? <laughs> Thank you. But uh, yeah, Sean Callery is going to join us coming up. Also on today's show, we have Matt's summer, summer movie summer review. But before we get to that, there was uh, something that came out uh, recently here: the World Soundtrack Awards. Yes, mm. Robert, to uh, talk through some of the some of the uh, nominees for this. Have now, you been to the World Tra- Soundtrack Awards in not Ghent? Not only have I been to the World Soundtrack Awards in Ghent, but I am very proudly a member of the World Soundtrack Academy. Where are you a voting member? I'm a voting member, and I think. If I'm not mistaken, in my fevered imagination, I think they gave me an award. Oh. So, like, <laughs> five or seven years ago, I went to Ghent, Belgium to receive... I was just going to ask, where is Ghent? I just checked into this, and they did, did not give you an award there. We can edit that later. So we'll pick the one that was correct. <laughs> they gave me the Industry Award in maybe 2013 because Robert Kraft is okay, an so industry. Got it. Um, Ghent is... About, uh, it's 
and maybe an hour from Brussels. It's a beautiful medieval city, not unlike Bruges. Yeah. Great canal. And the World Soundtrack Awards are super fun. A community from Europe and L.A. mostly, uh, some New York joins uh, the and composers. And I hear we, they might have a special guest this year. I think Jordan Carter? Bieber. Oh, Jordan my Jordan Bieber. That's funny. I thought it was going to be Carter Bieber, but it's Jordan Bieber. How nice. That was Carter Bieber's the youngest brother. It seems yeah. kind of cool, though, because they have yeah. the, the best. Yeah, man. Sorry. Sorry to step on hate toward that. Uh, they have the best film composer of the year, the best television composer of the year, the best songwriters. This is like the, the all-star game. It of, is. Of everybody and they, coming together, they will honor. Can we a, blow through the list real quick? A composer, yeah, yeah. Uh, best film composer of the year nominees uh, for the World Soundtrack Awards: Carter Burwell, good. Alexander Desplat, of course. Johnny Greenwood, a great score. The late Johan Johansson, that's sad. Yep, and uh, of course the maestro of all maestros, Johnny Williams. Yep, that's uh, good. One. And then you have t- best TV composer of the year nominees: Volker. Bert, Bertelman, am I pronouncing that? Bertelman. Bertelman. Yeah, he did Patrick. Robert, Mellows. why don't you read? <laughs> we have Ramin Javadi. We know that one. Of course, Game of Thrones and Westworld. Rupert Gregson Williams for The Alienist, and he co composed yep. the Crown score. Actually, he's nominated yep. this year for a season two uh, that he co composed with Lauren Balf, who's an amazing composer. Yeah, yeah, just did Mission Impossible. Sure did. Uh, Matt Quayle, who did some great ones, American Crime Story and American Horror Story, uh, Mr. Robot and Pose, which is the new Ryan Murphy. And we have Adam Taylor for Damnation and one of my favorite scores, The Handmaid's Tale. I think it's so odd. The best original song, I'm going to vote for Black Panther, music and lyrics by Kendrick. Uh, Never Forget from Murder on the Orient Express is a big one. Remember Me from Coco. A oh, nice yeah. One. Oscar winner. I think. Yeah, that Actually, won the Oscar. That might you know be what? the... My great friend Diane Warren, I didn't realize she's up for the song Stand Up for Something from Marshall, which was oh, incredible. Yeah. She wrote well, with Common, and uh, Andrew Day sang it with Common. And, and then, then This yeah. Is Me, yeah, Pasek and, and Paul, from, which was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, well. it was. Yeah. It lost it out to, Co- to Coco, to Remember Me, I right. think, was the winner this year ah, for, uh, yeah. for the Oscars. So good list there. Yeah, got a lot of great film music, and I yep. think that probably indicates that it's time for Matt's <laughs> summer review of <laughs> movies. Come on, Matt, bring it. What do you got? Yeah. So, um, so we have a list here. Oh, sounds made, like five sounds pounds way of more, cheese. Way more ominous. Sounds like five pounds of cheese. <laughs> so I, I have just a few movies. We did a uh, summer TV review a little while ago, um, and uh, and. Uh, people are just begging for my summer movie review. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I got uh, six movies on this list. Uh, we're going to give it to you in uh, ascending order. So the, my, my least favorite overhyped movie uh, of this whole summer is, uh, and the score was great by Michael Giacchino, but Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, kind of a disappointment. Fallen movie. I would have to say. Yeah. It's, it's like the eighth one in the series now. I now nice. that we have that sound effect. Good cue. Uh, so it didn't do that well. The, the critics didn't love it. The audience didn't love it. So, um, And it was a little, you know, the, the best part about that was, uh, was the star of, uh, of the movie. And maybe, you know, a guy who will uh, 
become more and more an A-lister, uh, doing Guardians. You're talking doing T-Rex. Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris Pratt, sorry. T-Rex. <laughs> but no, think... Chris Pratt is great. He's, he's, the, uh, he's kind of that movie saving grace. So I, I give that one a C minus. Mm. I don't know if that's even passing. There we go. All right. Mm. It actually gets two prices right. Uh, uh, lose sound lose effects. <laughs> uh, next one's Ocean's Eight, which was an okay movie. Uh, cool score though. Critics liked it. Yeah, Daniel Pemberton did the score, and it was cool, kind of a jazzy, jazzy kind of a thing. Hi- very heist-like. That uh, 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 again was probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, critics gave it a sixty-seven percent. Audience forty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it wasn't beloved by anybody, but um, but you know, it some was, stunts it was an okay casting in theater. that. Aquafina and Rihanna. There yeah. was some some of the cast. It was loaded up, of, and again, yeah. you know, it was an all female kind of version of yep. Ocean's the Ocean's movies, which you know, I don't know that it it even really fit into the Ocean series that well. It seemed mm. like it didn't need to be part of that franchise, but um, but whatever, it was okay. It's maybe overhyped, uh, but unfortunately, it gets another one of those. Um, so we're getting into these like now there's a few movies that have just been amazing and um or or oh this is amazing as robert Kraft would say amazing. Oh, this is amazing uh solo solo was a pretty entertaining film and and that's really that's what you ask from a star wars film is for it to be an entertaining ride it's not supposed to be a great 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 film that's you know going to change the way you view things but it's fun escapist kind of summer blockbuster kind of film um i know it didn't perform quite as well john powell's score was uh just incredible um, i loved the score loved it i feel like the star wars movies now though like the bar for the fan base is so high that it almost is set up to be a disappointment yeah well i mean that's the risk because you have these expectations that are you know plus I, you had the director snafu and the whole thing which didn't start out well and then people were worried about it and right. it just it didn't start off with the right momentum and then it came out and it was you know good not great so then all the people that were expecting it to be the greatest of the franchise yeah and are, it's interesting because as as a as a standalone movie it's pretty good and and critics seem to like it they got a 71 percent on rotten tomatoes uh the audience 64 i think a lot of star wars fans uh original star wars fans came out and said this we, we don't think this is up to par with uh with some of the other stuff and maybe you know all the new star wars there's they're all gonna watch it at some point those though things. but it's an entertaining <laughs> movie overall um so you know it gets a uh <sighs> we need a sound effect for this don't you awesome <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> There's one from Robert. All right, so uh, then we're moving to the next one, which again, this was maybe the biggest movie of of the year, box office wise. Avengers: Infinity War, um, pretty good movie, and tied a lot of things together. It was, uh, you know, how how many movies? Eighteen movies or something we've had up to uh, that one. So I think this was number nineteen, and really long movie. Probably could have been a little bit shorter, but it's it's an epic, you know, part one of two is what it's supposed to be. And uh, and it ends in, you know, there's a big cliffhanger and all this stuff. Um, very entertaining movie. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, all you can ask for in a blockbuster, but, you know, it's uh, it's only half of a movie. So And it's set up like it's a TV show where there's a big cliffhanger and it's incomplete as its own movie. Can it's I, really an overlong episode of a can TV Can I point show. out something that was really weird, though, was in a yeah. matter of like five weeks, you had... Deadpool 2 and Avengers come out 
and Josh Brolin pa- played the bad guy in both movies, and it just it was just kind of a weird casting decision. Yeah. Yeah, because they can't really cross. It's now. always weird when you have two, you know, not some, that they are some A list star that comes out in multiple movies that are right next to, it. and sometimes it's the same weekend. Like I remember, well, but like it's it'd be one thing if it was two separate types of movie, but this is like Marvel superhero movies, and right. he's the bad guy in two of the movies. It shows that came you what out. an enormous world this is for Marvel now, including all the TV shows. You know, Sean, Sean's, you know, we'll ask him about Jessica Jones, and you know, there's Luke Cage, and there's you know a lot of these other shows that are on TV that all plug into the Marvel universe. Are the bad guy uh casting pools just that bad? <laughs> like they got the same guy. It just blew it blew me away when I saw that. Yeah. I guess that's true. Couldn't find another it goes guy. Way back. I don't know. Um so anyway, I give uh oh I forgot to give letter grades. Ocean's eight I give a C. That was okay. Uh solo I give a B. It's a little better than okay. Avengers I'm giving an A minus. Now we're climbing. It's a solid film. Uh, it's it's an entertaining film, but uh, but it's not it's not perfect, and it is my biggest criticism is uh, we need that part two, and it's not a standalone film. I really feel like you need to have an ending to a film, and this was such a setup for the next one. Um, so then a couple of my favorites this year: Mission Impossible, Fallout, which did a uh, huge amount of business. Yeah, it did really really well. Maybe and- if the Avengers did their own stunts, they could have the reaction that Mission Impossible Fallout got. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it, it, Avengers doesn't even doesn't even need that much uh, attention because it's got so many people that are fans of it. But Mission Impossible Fallout. The, now, like, this is one of those movies that's part of that popular film category for the Oscars, and you know, a lot of the you know we we've talked about that a little bit. But m- the stunts are incredible. The dialogue is okay. Tom Cruise is fantastic. Where the movie really lacks is, you know, you need that constant suspension of disbelief, you know, constantly throughout. Oh, here's the bad. Here's the crazy stunts. Here's the it's stunt after stunt. It's after kind of like stunt. score of the podcast. Kind of stunt after stunt after stunt. <laughs> and a crazy suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Edge of your seat. Right. Score the podcast. So it's, and the it's score, really entertaining if I could to mention, watch. Lauren Balfe's score is great yeah um there's one scene at the start of that where where tom cruise um jumps out of this this you know enormous plane and it's just it's like a one shot uh scene where he's just tumbling in the nervous. sky and it's it's like the visuals are amazing better be one uh, shot if he Lauren, did his own stunts <laughs> yeah i know well <laughs> take I, two i've heard uh, you know i don't know i'd have to look into this but i've heard they did that like 19 times or something oh, god too. and of course leave it to tom cruise do his own stunts of course he's gonna you know, if you got to go jump out of a plane 19 times, then so be it. Yep. So anyway, I give that one an A minus. Um, got really good reviews from critics, 97 percent. Audience loved it, not quite as much, but pretty close, 92 percent. So uh, earns an A minus from me. Um, or uh, Chris Beck would say, sounds like five pounds of intense and amazing fun. It That's was. Right. That's right. Um, and then my my favorite movie of the year. And this is a documentary, and I think this might be a front runner for the Academy Awards Best Documentary next year. Won't you be my neighbor? The, I totally uh, agree. Mister Rogers documentary, which is just packed with heart. Hold on, I'm changing my shoes and jacket. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Um, and- I thought it was just an incredible film. I also was amazed by how much I learned about him. I, you know, of course you go into it assuming we all assume we know who Mr. Rogers was, but he was a much deeper, much more spiritual man than I think I was aware. Yeah. And it, you know, he very kind of 
secretive guy, I don't think on purpose, but he was kind of a quiet guy and felt a calling to try to, you know, fill a void that, that was there in a lot of children's programming and was hoping to be able to bring something unique and new. And, um, and there's something really genuine and authentic about it, which is fascinating. You left the documentary saying this guy was an incredible human being. And it's almost, it shows where we are in the world where the biggest criticism is some people being like, well, I'm sure there must have been some shit that he was up to. You know, like, that's the biggest, but it, you know, it was a pretty, pretty good deep dive into his life. And hey, Matt, uh, it was a great guy. As a documentary filmmaker, how did you feel about the actual filmmaking of the Mr. Rogers? Oh, it was, it was, it was solid. It was really, it, it moved along at such a great pace and the interviews that they got with all the people. I mean, I teared up a few times throughout the Same. thing. It's, it was so emotionally told, uh, but without being too manipulative you know, yeah. you're you're telling a real life story yeah. and uh and it was really really great so uh, you know that one i think earns my uh earns my highest grade of the year that's my a plus uh critics loved it 99 percent. audience loved it 97 percent. and uh michael stein of uh, stranger things pretty fresh says it's pretty fresh it was 100 percent fresh i'm pretty sure that's kyle dixon but yeah maybe it's stein and michael michael and stein <laughs> kyle and dixon <laughs> yeah all right. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Thanks, that Matt. was Matt's summer, summer movie summer review. review. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're inviting him into his own One Calorie Studios. We're inviting One Calorie in. Sean Calorie, four-time Emmy winner Can't and wait. current Emmy nominee for Jessica Jones. I have a question for you. If you invite Sean Calorie into One Calorie Studios... Will there be two calories in here? <laughs> no, it's currently Zero Calorie Studios, and we're going to turn it into it one. It was a trick. And Kenny Holmes is here with the right answer. Thank we'll be right much. back after the break. Hey, guys, it's Kenny. We're back to the show in 20 seconds. But we wanted to quickly say thanks to all of you who've supported season one of Score the Podcast. One of the most important things you can do is click subscribe on your podcast app. It's free. It takes just a second. And it makes a huge difference in our growth. Thanks for your continued support. We're excited to bring you more great episodes in the future. Now back to the show. Welcome back to One Calorie Studios here with our guest this week. We're really excited. Yeah. He's one of the most decorated TV composers there is. I think maybe the most nominated, Emmy-nominated composer. He's up there. He's up there. He's definitely up there. 17 nominations, four-time winner, and he's nominated this year for Jessica Jones, which we'll get to. Uh, He's our guest, Sean Calorie. Thanks for uh, having us in, Sean. Uh, Well, thank you. Sean is the one calorie in the room. (laughs) One calorie studios. Everyone else is not calorie. And as Robert would say... (laughs) He's a legend that's still becoming more legendary. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It Uh, is true. Thank you. I'll take that. (laughs) And uh, I learned a lot about Sean musically last year at the... There was a film festival in Poland, the Krakow Film Festival, and Sean performed, and I didn't realize until that evening, as we will hear, unbelievably, he's a jazzer at heart. And I say unbelievably because you'd think through some of the music, I'm not sure I I know exactly where the jazz fits in. And then when I heard him play some of the themes he'd written, it was clear how jazzy they were in essence, and I'd never really realized it because of the way they presented on TV, but we'll get to that. Sean, tell us a little bit about coming to L.A. I know you came, you were working for Synclav. Yeah. Synclavier, which was New England Digital, was that company that made these kind of awesome, unique synthesizers. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was working for Disney World as a keyboard player. Oh, wow. As in their orchestra, a college orchestra. In Florida, in, that Disney in, World? In beautiful Florida in the mm. summer of 87. Right. And uh, I that job completed, and I was offered a, a job to go to Tokyo Disneyland to ride a piano, uh, to play a piano on a tricycle. And I thought that'd be kind of a nice gig, <laughs> you know? Nice. Just an ordinary gig. Continue on, you know? Uh, and then I, I met... Uh, a representative of that this company, uh, New England Digital, that uh, in the late '80s was doing. You know, we, we were in a sort of in the middle of a beginning of a seismic shift where we were moving to digital digital recording. Yep. And that company at the time was that, and Fairlight was really the only sort oh, of game, right. game in town. Mm-hmm. So I came out as a product specialist, and a lot of musicians like Chick Corea and Stevie Wonder and Pat Metheny and Alan Silvestri and Herbie Hancock and these guys. Um, Bunch of no-namers. Oh, yeah, they were flounderers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but they were all really sort of fascinating artists, and they wanted to use the technology for their own craft, you know, for their own their own uh, work. And But no one knew how to use it. And uh, I lied to get into the company. I said, oh, I know MIDI. I know I know all this stuff. And yeah. uh, I was an absolute lie, but I, I did learn it. And uh, I had to be sort of a product support person uh, for these people, and one of them was Mark Snow. Oh wow! Who went on to do uh, X Files? X Files, right? yeah. you know, and he became and he ended up becoming one of my longest and dearest best friends. And we, uh, uh, he really sort of was the first person to sort of recognize that maybe I could do something other than, you know, rebooting uh, computer systems. And your gig at Synclave, would you describe more as musical or technical, or both? I mean, did you get a chance to be a musician for the company? Yes, I did. Um, I remember once I was called uh, in Christmas of 80, uh, 88 and, or 89, and Alan Silvestri had done the score, and he needed someone to help hmm. uh, input um, some of the music that he had already composed, fully composed, you know, full score for Fern Gully. And mm-hmm. he needed to make some demos, uh, and, but he needed someone to, to be able to read music. And so he, um, I had to fly up there over the holidays, and uh, he was so... <laughs> Uh, polite to me, uh, I got. I, you know, you're staying in Carmel. I mean, you know, you're staying at a at a Best Western in Carmel is like staying at a you know Four Seasons in the, anywhere in Rhode Island. So <laughs> where I grew up, but he, uh, I had to, you know, I had I, I was called upon to do some things musically, but it also on a synclave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it ended up getting performed live, but we had to you know get demos and things in place. But sure. he had written the entire score by hand, which was really quite an education to just look at that. And it was, but then there were technical uh, things that I had to do, like when a client called from Skywalker and they were doing a lot of sound effects design work. And that was where I had to sort of learn how to troubleshoot those systems. And for a period of time before I got working as a, a musician, I had to do sound effects. As Is a that job. for D- Star Trek? For Star Trek, for Deep Space Nine, yeah, which I still have some of the sound libraries for, you know, that and I designed. And was there a moment during this you had the thought, I could do this? as my full-time gig, not inputting and not tweaking the synclavier, but I could actually get the gig as a composer for one of these shows? Uh, I, I would just say that I knew that it was a, a dream of mine from a very young age to want to do this kind of work, uh, even though I was a classical pianist in Boston, I mean, going to school in Boston. I, I didn't know, I, I wouldn't say I was had the hubris to say, I'm absolutely going to get my first show, but I, I knew I wanted to be doing it, so I, I viewed it as being helpful that I was in the orbit of this town and the people around it that were that were doing a, amazing work and using the Synclave at that time and other electronics in innovative ways 
to help make their music. And, and I learned a lot just watching, just watching that process. I imagine you did. What was your first cue to appear on TV or your first show? Do you remember? <laughs> well, everybody remembers the Olivia <laughs> Newton-John Christmas movie, uh, A Mom for <laughs> Christmas. I mean, you? let's all stand up and take I a moment. I forgot to bring mine to get it signed. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, the Blu-ray's coming out next month. <laughs> Enhanced, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Enhanced Blu-ray. <laughs> the double. Um, that was, you know, I had been working for a guitar player, a songwriter, John Farah, and he had written a lot of songs for Olivia. Yeah. And uh, I was briefly Olivia's... Uh, a music director. I was a keyboard player. Hmm. And we played on the Arsenio Hall show and we were about to go on tour. And you may remember this, but she actually got a little uh, sick and she had to cancel the tour. This was back in the early 90s. And, but in, in the late 80s, uh, she did a Christmas movie for, the, for Disney, which hmm. aired on ABC, where she played a mannequin that came to life as a, uh, to, to meet the wishes of a young girl whose mother had died. It was a, kind of a tearjerker Christmas thing. And she wanted John Farrow to write the songs, which he was very happy to do. But he, yeah. he openly admitted he hadn't done a lot of scoring. Mm. And he thought that I could do it. And he lobbied to have me do it uh, alongside him. And that was my first on-screen credit, my first, um, you know, my first, my, the first music Orchestral, I ever wrote. Orchestral, uh, uh, synth, combo. Synth and, and live. You know, we yeah. had live guitars and some live drums because John's songs and so forth and, mm-hmm. and stuff. But it was a lot of jingly, belly, you know, kind of stuff. And some, I mean, look, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's it's probably it's funny because we top. watch it at uh, the Craft House pretty regularly every, every sure. holiday yeah. season. It, just below uh, what is it, a Christmas story or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Christmas story, Citizen Kane, uh, Godfather, and then the Olivia Newton-John it's Christmas there. special. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really special. Yeah. You've gone on to write a ton of show intro themes. You've uh-huh. done a ton of shows, and and they've been great. One of my favorite shows, Homeland. Yeah. Um, when you're doing a show intro theme, it's it's something that really takes sets the tone for the show. Yeah. How, how much collaboration with the showrunner is there? Are you kind of free to create? Because like Homeland is very unique in that they use dialogue from the show in the theme song. That's right. Um, how did that idea come up, and how much collaboration is there between the showrunners and you to to create these really important themes? I, I would say it is we are we are locked hand in hand in the beginning of the process. Um, it's 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 interesting when you're working on a television show. A lot of times the way it works is you score the second or the third episode if if it's got a pickup. You know, if you do the pilot, you know, then you do the pilot, and then sometimes you're rescoring the pilot. But oftentimes the main title comes later in the process after you finish the first or second episode when they're still putting together. It doesn't happen uh, immediately. So you've, you've started getting a little bit of the color of the show under your skin. And one of the things we talked about at the very, very beginning was I was just finishing up 24. And uh, when we went out to Homeland, it was definitely, you know, 24 was a... Was a was a was an action thriller, and 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 we definitely viewed Homeland as a political thriller. You know, it, yeah. was, it, it was definitely more um, uh, intimate, uh, more fly on the wall, watching things and so forth. And in the story, her character listens to a lot of jazz, which was a nice little clue. But in point of fact, it, there's just a, there was just a, a feeling from the very beginning that we would have a, a more intimate, you know, energy that would have a, a few uh, some jazz. Uh, uh, vernacular in there yeah and so i started finding the sound of that when i started scoring the show so when it came to do the main title it we really viewed it as like uh uh the uh, like you see all this violent imagery in the in the main title like all the fast edits yeah Yeah, all the things that happened in the last 25 in the first year i'm talking and we wanted the music to be almost um i remember alex gonza said something really he said very something very helpful um when i was trying to work out the the trumpet line, the lead line. He said, "You know, it's almost it's almost like a crying out. It's not. Oh, you're, it's good. like you're not playing the. You're not playing the, 
the, the, the horror of it so much as you're paying, playing the wound, yeah, the, the, the collective wound that we feel. Yep. Oh, thank you. Is that, I gotta, <laughs> that was my bad. When's this audience? Uh, <laughs> Although the audience, when did they get in here? The audience really enjoyed that, <laughs> love that. anecdote. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, um, uh, so that, those are, those are, I love when I get uh, clues like that from non-musical so folk people because you can kind of digest that and then, you know, kind of hopefully turn well, it into something. Well, it's interesting, too, because that intro, it, the show is so frantic yeah. And the visuals show the franticness in the edit of mm. that intro, but the music is is very like calm. Yeah. And it's the complete opposite. So like what you're seeing and what you're hearing are complete opposites. And yeah. it, and then the, all the dialogue, it just yeah. sounds like the inside of a crazy person's head, uh, you know, which is Carrie probably. I think you, I think it, well actually, you know, it's it's a sleep the, one of the early images of her of, is of a sleeping little girl. That's her and you're really sort of it, you're sort of following her dreams. Um, oh, wow. you know, sort of, yeah. it's almost like following her dreams and the highest note in the theme is actually on the, on the trade towers. Uh, and that was in the original uh. theme. I don't know how it's, it's changed a bit with the, yeah. the theme has gotten a little longer and shorter based on, they always recut it uh, each year based on the uh, storyline. That's but gotta I, be different too, right? You don't normally change the show theme year to year on a TV show. Oh it, yes, you do. It, well, it gets tweaked. I mean, it, it doesn't get redone completely, but it, it, it expands or retracts and so forth. Um, Mission Impossible, if I remember correctly, used to show the scenes for the upcoming episodes in the main title. Like yep. you sort of saw what was about to happen. It was it was kind of a brilliant little huh. mechanism, yeah. you know, little well, a tease. Lot, a lot of shows would do that. They, I mean, if, with all due respect to Bill Cosby, or no respect, um, his <laughs> how, about, theme, how about none? Yeah. His theme every year, I think, was recut. With a kind of a different, yeah, you know, yeah. soul singer. Even may I suggest that Who's the Boss had a couple different iterations, ah. um, as we were talking about that? earlier. Who did that one? I can't remember oh, that. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's a good one. I remember that. Can we take a deep cleansing breath right now? Just- <laughs> I was always amazed by the homeland, the bravery, truly yep. the bravery. And I mean that artistically for the producers and you to do something so contemporary and jazzy. TV and jazz are rarely in the same sentence. I mean, jazz is like some, oh, we don't do that, and the audience doesn't like that. And the Homeland theme, and I really realized it in Krakow when I heard you perform, mm. is very contemporary jazz. Oh, and, thank and you. I, but I don't think I realized it because of the voices that are through it, and it feels like a kind of strange, collage piece of yeah. material. So mm-hmm. when I heard it played without the voices, I realized I would hear this at midnight in a New York City nightclub. This was a real piece of contemporary, modern, jazzy feeling. It, 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 the first cue I ever wrote for that show was for a nightclub scene in huh. the pilot, and it, it was for a quintet, so I, I started getting the idea. We started focusing in on that sonority as a as a departure point, and I would dare say that that is what helped me get hired for Jessica Jones. Because I was going to say, yeah, the intro is very jazzy, also. Yeah, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, the showrunner of that show, called me. I mean, this is what you love. This is this is the best possible thing that can happen to a composer is when someone watches your work, and then you get a call saying, "Hey, we really like your work. We think maybe uh, you might be able to make a contribution to the show over here." Which I'd never heard of Jessica Jones. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, it was. It was, and working with her, like with Alex Gonza, they're, they're extraordinary storytellers, very specific, and um, and and this this was this this theme here was the product of a lot of talking with Melissa about the tone and the flavor of the show and 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 the character, which I didn't know anything about. Um, well, then such- it, it takes like a Marvel hero turn right here when, yeah. it, when it's then then come the t- 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 
So it starts off very like detective, kind of mysterious. Yep. Which is what she does. She's a private eye kind of, and then goes into this this Marvel field. It's interesting though, because when you think of a Marvel theme, the world that we live in now, big orchestral themes. But then this Netflix Marvel world, it's almost like the adult Marvel, and and it has a completely different sound. Um, these, you know, Luke Cage and yeah. and Daredevil. What was the conversation like when you got approached for this? Did, did they say stay away from the the big Marvel sound and and make it more? It's a great question. I mean, look, in a way, what they said, it, they sort of said that exactly. But Jeff Loeb, I'll never forget when we were sitting down. He goes, "Look, you know, you know the difference between the Marvel universe and, and the Marvel TV, you know, cinematic universe and the Marvel TV universe." And I said, "No." And he said, "In the cinematic universe, they're trying to save the universe." And, uh, and and in the TV world, they're just trying to save the city, you know, and, 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 and it, it had that kind of... Uh, That's nice. Yeah, so, and, and when Jessica's part of the world, I mean, look, when you look at it, this was actually another thing. I was, when I first looked at footage, I was not legally allowed to look at moving picture because the director was still working on their cut. So you're not, you're not supposed to until they're... Ten weeks, I think. DGA like, gives the director... Ten weeks. Yep. And so, but they were, they did allow me to look at slides. They, they allowed to let me look at still images. And mm-hmm. I'd never been exposed to a show beyond the script. And then when I look at picture, I've never done that where you've looked just at still images of the office, the person, the character. It is amazing the kind of information you get off a frozen image rather than looking at a moving image. And, and the very first ideas for Jessica's theme were born from the still images, just looking at her in her office and her posture and... It was quite. It was. It was. Look, you need every. You need every leg up you can get. Yeah. And that, that turned out to be a really good get. It's so interesting because it's usually that's something in the middle of either the printed word. You get a script mm. and you have to try and deliver some musical component that reflects the script, or you see the picture. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen or heard of someone getting photographs and. And was the theme that you came up with and the ideas you came up with, did they translate when it was moving picture? Yeah. Well, what it, first of all, they brought, me to the, they brought me to the offices, which are at uh, Prospect Street, ABC, and, and they sat me in a room, and they, they just projected them on a wall, like old school, like, you know, like with the old like, you know, carousel. It wasn't a carousel, but it, it kind of felt like that because it went, yeah, you heard it, and then it went black, and then you saw another image, and they showed me about 50 of them. And here in my studio, which if anybody, if the mics were on before we started, when you were jamming, because you are, you're the, you're the closet jazzer too, by the way. Thank you, you so you, much. You are. I don't sense. know if the mics were on, but <laughs> you know, they, we, we shall. We'll I, post I, a little video. I, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, a well kept secret that at my core, I'm a jazzer. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you scat. You scat your own melodies. That's not. I can't. I cannot do that. Anyway, but the theme—I actually worked on the theme over there, and uh, and then when it went, when it got to that more aggressive section, you know, I sent them off. I hadn't seen the images that they were that they were putting together. Yeah. But if you look at that theme, it starts to get more stroby, uh, right at the time where it gets bigger, mm-hmm. and it, it starts to get more jagged, and people are running more in the shadows. It's just it just gets a little more urgent. And I didn't have a conversation with the uh, designers of the graphics. We, they just sort of arrived at that on They're their awesome. own. They're awesome. They're great. I think we all worked through Melissa. Awesome. And then when we got the theme, we <laughs> they kind of, who sang awesome? Is that, is that you? Oh, it's awesome. It's one of our bites. Too many awesomes. Awesome. Wonderful awesome. awesomes. I like the awesome. But anyway, it lined up. It, the point is it lined up, and with, with, the, with the exception of tweaking a few things, it, it was really something that they, they enjoyed. And I, I felt a lot of support from them, actually. So. Well, I, it won an Emmy, so uh, yeah, it, it, it did, did yeah, the right thing. An and you're nominated. Again this year for the, yeah, the, the series score. That's right. Yeah. So uh, and so, do they come? Will Melissa or Alex come to the studio? Yes. Do you bring them material. Do you sit with them here, even episodically? That's always one thing about TV 
episodic music I'm curious about. You write the theme, you do a couple episodes where they're comfortable, the guy's got the language of it. Yep. Are you just turning in material and then seeing it on the next week when it appears? Or do they come and say, we really need this scene to be scored? You know, which is a certainly what movie directors do. I would like to enter the fantasy world and tell you that every time I set and cue out of here, it's loved and received. And You're, I just it's done. It. <laughs> we got another one from Sean. Put it in. We'll hear it on the air. It's perfect. It's <laughs> locked. Lock it up. That would be my Christmas gift in heaven, I suppose. But no, it, uh, what, what uh, up until very, very recently, I mean, on Homeland, they, they, we had playbacks here all the time for every episode. And not only do we have it for every episode, we played the whole score down in real time so we could sort of check the spotting of the music against it. So that Amazing. would take a long time. Jessica Jones starts like that for about mm, three or four episodes in, episodically. And then, na- and then when, when they're in the middle of finishing up the season and also monitoring post-production, it's very hard for them to get here physically, so we will, we will post the score. But we, we go very back and forth. It, both of those scores in particular, Jessica and Homeland, are are very manicured. They they they're 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 very nuanced and that's re- so interesting. Yeah, they require a lot of back and forth. And but I will say, when pe- there's nothing better when you're in a room with somebody, and it, it's it is sort of a muscle. You know, when you're playing, I used to play back twenty four scores all the time, and that and you know, a person sitting and they have to sort of react. And but but there's also a comfort zone people have to just looking at QuickTime movies and sort of letting it sit and marinate on their own, and then they write notes. And then you get the notes back. But I love the interaction when someone's here because you can kind of maybe put out a fire before it becomes a fire. You yeah. Know, it could be like there's a sound that they don't – it could be something very simple. It could be something not simple. but Sometimes it could be they need to hear it a second time to go, oh, I just understood where you were going. The first time I heard it, it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. That's always nice. I always thought when I was in a room with the director, producer, and composer, and I'd be the sort of the fly on the wall – that it was the body language was the biggest indication because when something was wrong, yeah. you could see people sort of had a weird <laughs> twitch and they would say, I don't know, it's too fast. The next yeah. guy would say, I don't know, it's too slow. And the third guy would say, you know, I was really thinking we'd have a tambourine <laughs> when it was right. Oh, that's when, yeah. Everybody would sort of, their shoulders would go down and they'd say, what's the next one? Yeah. And it'd be this effortless thing when something doesn't feel like it fits the picture. Uh, it was always interesting to watch people's body language because you could see they just uh, composers in a different place, and I always hoped they'd listen once more because I would trust the composer's instinct right more than this is the story. You know, I think we should be telling. And the composer often had an insight as to what the story was really being. Yeah, right, right. Well, told. I one of the joy one of the one producer told me once that the reason why they like coming here is because they could really just relax you know they, oh, they, have some, nice. they just like sitting i have a little fire pit out there uh, yeah. uh and they, sometimes they just like sitting around what literally a campfire and just and sometimes you learn things about the show that are unexpected you know that that you might be thinking about for a future episode but i i will say that one time i was playing back for someone and i heard you know i'm sitting in front of them and i'm playing and mixing the score in front of them and i remember once hearing a like this, oh this, 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 oh no. this, this pitiful exhale, and I, and you just know, and they had the courtesy to listen to the entire cue, but I, I did, I did know in that moment that my night was just beginning. <laughs> you know? I want to ask one more question before we go to a, a break. When you said you play back sometimes the entire score, mm-hmm. you know, I you might have mentioned it for twenty four or uh, for Homeland, for Homeland, yeah. Um, and this is a little inside baseball for our listeners, but here you'd sit in a studio. I've seen this before, but I have a question about it. Mm. You play back the entire score. Are you playing back a synth 
version of the score and then once it's approved you do some additional recording or is that the final version that you play them in this room i would say 90 percent of the time they're listening to the music i'm sending to the stage the final okay you know uh, there there are times i remember hiring chris breath uh, bleth to do some uh, woodwind work on uh, on homeland and i i had samples sort of covering it for the moment mm-hmm. uh it's interesting because if someone falls in love with something right away, it's uh, you, you. Why'd get, you change it? Exactly because it's better. Like, yeah. well, I don't think you know. Once you get into a subjective conversation like that, your your day's done. But, but yeah, most most of the time, I'm playing back what exactly they're going to hear on the stage. Yeah, it's just something that I've been at this enough years to see that. It used to start with somebody playing on a piano. I know. Well, and, you know, yeah. I, my first some of my first shows were the director and the composer, and the composer would sit on a piano. Maurice Jarre, yeah, playing a piano theme for the director, and they'd say, "Great, yeah." So now we do the whole score. We're going to take a quick break. Sure. Um, we touched on it a little bit, but we're going to talk about Twenty Four when we come back, and a little more about uh, Jessica Jones and uh, the Emmy nomination for season two. Stick around. More with Sean Callery when we return. Hey, guys. Robert Kraft, and I'm inviting you to check us out on Twitter for the latest from the show. Giveaways for Name That Score. Videos. Maybe even a new track from that pop superstar, Jordan Bieber. Check out our handle on Twitter at ScoreThePodcast. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to One Calorie Studios with our guest, Emmy-winning and currently Emmy-nominated composer Sean Callery of so many of the greatest television shows. I mean, you, even if you don't watch TV very much, you've probably watched a show with Sean. Oh, music. for sure. How many episodes do you think you've done? A thousand? Oh. Um. Have you ever counted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I haven't counted. I, it's, I think it's, it's probably close to, to that. I, you know, That's wild. I, I, don't, I don't know. How many, how many uh, projects do you think you've worked on simultaneously? Because a lot of these episodic shows are going at the same time. I, I will say that at, uh, probably the, the, I, I did have the uncomfortable, uh, and you know, look, it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because you, you love the work. But at one point we did have, uh, I think I had five things in play at one time, but just they were overlapping just for a very brief period. And I did make a commitment emotionally to never be in that <laughs> yeah. Is that just like an overload? Well, some, I, you know, I have, there are colleagues that know how to, you know, juggle artistically and emotionally that kind of bandwidth. I I just don't. It's got to be I, tough it, to yeah. switch gears, yeah. right? Yeah. To car- compartmentalize <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It is, homeland into bones and well, bones I will, into 24. I will say that one thing that's really nice about having two different things simultaneously is um, like elementary, for example, is a very mercurial, you know, Baroque kind of show with, with the instrumentation. And it's nice when you're working on a on darker, if you're working on a darker show, uh, to contrast to to another oh, yeah. thing, to kind oh, of yeah. it kind of shakes the etch a sketch in your mind. You yeah. can kind of shake it up, and then you kind of get back to working with a little bit more of a fresh head. So I, I it, it helps me to kind of shake it up. So that's I wanted to ask a question about that kind of pressure. We mm-hmm. on twenty four, of course, the metaphor that they use is a clock ticking, mm-hmm. and you told me at one point just before this show that there have been some down-to-the-wire moments for you with the score. Is there a moment that you can remember? Well, I, I have I have written... Oh, there, there it is. Do you hear that I, in I your keep, head? I, keep, I, go to sleep, I go to sleep to that. That's my meditation tape. <laughs> oh, shoot. No, it's uh, the... Uh, the uh, I, do, I have had situations where I've been 
writing and mixing a, a piece for something that would air the next day. I mean, we, 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 have had, we have had that happen, and it really is just because of uh, editing, picture editing that's adjusting something or a special effect that got changed or, or, or something that got dramatically altered. It's, not, it's never intentional, but it has happened. And, um, you know, what's brilliant, the, the only advantage to having, that, to having no time is, is you, you, you simply don't have the ego to think about being brilliant. You just have to sort of, you know, get... get you just have to get it done, and and so there's a certain kind of um, uh, connection to the present moment that you can't. You know, that's. I thought that, you were going to say you also can't get many notes. You turn it in. <laughs> that, that, that that is absolutely true. I mean, you know, although they'll try. <laughs> do you prefer to have more time or less time? Like, how do you work? Do you need that deadline, or do you like having? You know, it's funny. Uh, just starting Jessica season three, for example, there's a couple of new characters, and I love the time before the season to sort of craft and think of of character themes that might that that would speak to that person. I'm writing those themes without picture. I'm just thinking and trying and conjuring up what they mean to me, and then I'll send them to the producer and they'll they'll feedback. So there are certain structural things that I would love that I love to get done before we're really in the soup, and then one but once we're in it, it's it's. It's kind of it, the trains left the station, you know. Eight. You know, TV series used to have seasons. Yeah, we'd start in September and we'd end in May, whatever it was. Do you have an off season, or is it now TV around the year, just around the calendar? You know, for the last five years, it has been around the clock. And um, this last summer, I I I, I sort of designed a, uh, a hiatus, a three, a three week. Uh, uh, walk. Uh, have you ever heard of the Camino de Santiago? Absolutely, you know, yeah, in I, Spain. Yeah, in Spain, and I. I donned a backpack with a buddy and 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 that's and, fantastic. And, and for three weeks, just shut it down. Huh? Did you start yeah, in yeah. San Sebastian and walk towards Portugal oh, that way? Oh, yeah, uh, no, uh, no, but that's the one I want to do next. This one started in uh, Saint Jean at the very bottom of France, and you cross over the Pyrenees, and then you walk about ten to fifteen, twenty miles a day. And all you're worrying about is just your backpack, your blisters on your feet, and uh, having enough and water. And you stay in those beautiful state-owned? Uh, they're kind of they're not dormitories; they're much more. Yeah, there uh, are some much fancier, but I forget what they're called. They're those beautiful homes and yeah, they're, they're, facilities. They're hostels, pensions, people who have right. you know, people who are, you know little tiny towns that you just walk into and you you set up ahead of time and you'll eat dinner with them and then you go to bed and you get up and you just go. The next did you morning. feel that you were really away from your work? Well, I did get you know. Look, I did, you, you can't completely check out of your life. So I, I remember checking my email and being told that there was going to be a new character and a new theme. But I got to think about the. Th- but you. But it's interesting because I got to think about it while I was walking a little bit. It, it wouldn't come up all the time, but the theme that I came up for one of the main characters in season three is uh, was happened somewhere between Burgos and uh, <laughs> Pamplona. Most people, when they hike, they listen to music. Do you? Do you not listen to music? You know, I, I, on this hike, on mostly I would, but on this hike, I, I really didn't do a lot of that because uh, it was a very environmental kind of. Mm. It was almost like a, almost like a walking meditation in a way. It's not in, people. That's listen, really what it is, yeah, though. That that trail is a spiritual path. It, it it is it is, and people have many different reasons for going, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's something I've been thinking about for the better part of a decade, and. Um, and and th- this year just seemed to be the, the right time. So that's uh, so. In answer to your question, uh, I I had the, the the ability, and and really it's it's about ability and balance to be able to to do it. And then I came back, and you know it's not like you come back and oh I'm brand new. No, I mean you know it's it that, it's not, I didn't have that kind of metamorphosis, but it was a, it was an extraordinary experience. I'm curious about the composer's creative process. Yeah. And when you say you composed it between Burgos and wherever it was. Mm-hmm. Is that something where you're walking and a theme occurs to you in your 
mind and you stop and scribble? Do you go to an iPhone and record it into audio? Have you been not hacking my phone? <laughs> Do you kind of shape it in the Take a writer your inner ear yeah. until it's really full and then you know exactly how it goes and you don't have to write it because it's it, yeah. ingrained? Um, I will say that uh, the, way it, the way it happens for me is um, I did make a phone call while I was on the trail to Melissa Rosenberg. And she said, look, we have a theme for this character that's going to be involved with this character. And I said, well, can you, can you just talk about the character? And she ended up saying an adjective. She said a word. I forgot what the word was, but um, it, it, was a, it, was some, it was some it was some noun of some sort. It was, was, some, it, the, was it an adjective Emmy-winning? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think, I think in on another, another occasion she said, look, this, this, this character has to be earthy. You know, oh, he's nice. earthy. You know, and, I, like, and just, no, that word, what does that mean to an artist? You, know, you don't know. But whatever the word was, I just remember walking, and I was just ingesting that. I just was thinking, what, what does that word mean? What, how will that, you know? And then eventually something sort of came, came up. And I did have the iPhone with me, but I had it on airplane mode, but it has the, the audio recorder. Yeah. And I, um, I, would, I would sometimes just sing a couple of phrases in there and then put the phone away. And then uh, when I finished the walk... I was in Paris waiting to go home, and I, I had a couple of days, and so then I finally took out some paper and, and, and uh, transcribed it, and then I sent it to um, my assistant, Rob, to, uh, to kind of realize, and then he did. And then we, uh, we... And is that what's on the air for that character? It's what they're using. It's a live... Uh, it was, it's a theme. It, well, I, I guess I can't talk about it yet, but yeah. it, it involves a live instrument, and, and it's played on screen. Breaking so. news, live instrument... <laughs> Does it have a Spanish flavor? <laughs> you heard it first. News, news flash. Uh, you know what? I don't. I, if it does, I'll find out when I hear it again. I, I, it might be hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Robert mentioned about TV seasons. Mm. Um, you've you've worked on a ton of network shows that come out on a weekly basis. Yeah. And now you're doing Jessica Jones, which comes out in all one package. Yeah. How does that change the approach or the the writing process for you? Did does it give you less time, or do you have to come up with everything all in a lump sum? Like, how does that change your process? I would say that um, uh, that from the point of view of production, uh, it, it, Marvel is very organized, and 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 you need the same amount of days to write and mix, which which on average for most of us I think is between five and six days. You got to you know a show a week, and in the case of Jessica Jones, we sort of maintain that. Um, so we'll we'll have a. Uh, see if we have 13 episodes it'll be a 16 week uh, schedule you know maybe with a couple weeks off in between there uh, the advantage is that if they make a change in hmm. something later on in the episodes and we, we, we have sometimes had as many as four or five episodes open you know not not locked not put yeah. to bed and uh, so if something happens and they say you know what I, it would be great if we introduced this uh, you know earlier because I think now we're realizing the story's going here sometimes we'll go back into to an earlier episode to make an adjustment which we have the luxury of doing when we're not up against the nice. days uh, the only other psychological thing that's weird is a very uh, Mar um, 24 was sort of the first show that that people binged watch because I think if you, you might correct me about this but I think season one came out on DVD it certainly did between season one and season two which I yeah. think was the, one of the first shows that ever did it yeah. so people kind of took in the whole show in a very bulk way and uh, Jessica Jones was the first show that I ever did that that people that I guess the word is dropped, you know that that is you know, you bingeable. Yeah, 
And I just remember I'd worked on that first season for eight months, and uh, <laughs> and I remember once it it uh, it aired, I, I, once it dropped, I remember getting an email less than two days later from someone who watched the entire thirteen. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, People do it well, overnight. It kind of it kind of blows your mind that like you're this massive consumption of what you did, what you did was like you know hey man great job like my god it was like so much work and it just went right by in 13 hours i guess it's like writing a novel if you write a 400 page book and somebody just takes a weekend and reads the whole you know, thing they're done the, that's same, the same flight kind to of europe yeah. Just yeah knock it out right and no more repeats i mean you know that's just we're, we're sort of not ever you know i remember in the 24 days and in, in bones days you know you sometimes have weeks of repeats but because the demand for fresh content is is really we're we're we're, we're very wired for that now. So have yeah. you been approached for any films? You seem to do mostly TV, but do you have interest in doing films? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were a couple of small films I did. One was called Small Time with Chris Maloney, and I did a couple of documentaries uh, about um, a couple of Buddhist teachers that I admired. Hmm. But um, there was, um, uh, but no, it, it hasn't been something that I have or, or avoided or invited. It's just uh, I think after twenty four. After the second year, I had received an Emmy for that, and mm-hmm. um, I think the, the, I remember the producers saying, "Look, please, you know, don't you're not going to leave the show." And I, you know, they, they were concerned I was actually <laughs> going to leave the show, and I was like, "I'm not going to leave the show." I mean, I love the show, and the show was, uh, but the show was a, a 38, 38 minute score a week, and I just, I would, I just didn't, I didn't. It's like its own film. I just didn't allocate, you know, I just didn't uh, gravitate towards allocate. I couldn't do it anyway. I couldn't allocate it out, and I and and it was just. I was just committed to the things I'm working on, and luckily, the work I have had over the years has been so enjoyable. So I don't really feel a a, a loss there. Although, having said that, I would, I would, if a film was in front of me and uh, I could do it, I would, I would love. I to I am do so it. certain that you are going to do some big film in the next twelve to eighteen months. I just yeah, feel it. I, would, I think you'd I be unbelievable for some filmmaker to be you. lucky enough. Oh, you're, thank you. And you're so much of what you do influences. The sound of film music. It's just people, wow. yeah. you know, it's really completely, it well, used to be it, such it, a... It's st- arguably, too, a better time for TV than film. Yeah. I mean, TV is You're the best the stuff curve. to watch hey, right now. Can I tell you something? I was, uh, I, I had to judge in the uh, 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 miniseries category, the limited series, and there were over 750 submissions across all six music categories. <laughs> that's, that's... That is so much content that you that that and and so much of it is is fantastic. So reviewing that was, I mean, I had to review nine hours of it. But it you was, actually, yeah. you're so kind. You know, I get asked to review stuff, and I just go down the list and look for my friends. I mean, do people actually <laughs> listen? Rigged. <laughs> I think I, you know. I, I, you, know I, you know what you know what they do in the academy, and it's really quite. They actually have a really neat worksheet, and what it is is you you get a worksheet that talks about. Does the music work for the for the content? Uh, is it original? You know, how do you? F- There's a lot of questions that, and you circle it. It's like a just a worksheet, and you kind of wow. you kind of circle numbers just as you're watching the shows, and then at the end of the entire review process, you go back to your sheets and you just see what's what's oh, there. Perfect. And it, it it's designed to kind of not that we're look voting is a, is a is a political act. You know, you you have to vote mm-hmm. for something, but but this is designed to sort of neutralize. Like if you for example, if you have to evaluate the music to a western. And, you're, and you hate westerns, you know. You, you, you don't want to penalize the score if 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 that was based the, on your personal bias. Exactly. Feelings, so the, yeah. And I think the the music branch of the academy, in my opinion, really works hard to to, to keep to to to, to have the, the members of our peer group to be very participant. It's so to great. Participate. It is really great. Now it's going to say 
How popular is this song? Yeah. <laughs> How popular is this movie? One out of ten. The popularity contest. Um, oh so we're gonna. Beaver. We have a, a final question to okay. ask you. Very good. Uh, coming up in just a minute. But first, we're gonna play a little game we like to play. Robert, I know you like to introduce it. Oh, no. I think we're gonna play. Name, Name that, that score. score. Oh, I'm gonna fail. I mean, I'm gonna be. Get ready to play Name That Score! The film music game where a perfect score means you, yes you, could be a winner! Now let's play Name That Score! <laughs> so, uh, what's our theme, man? Our theme today is TV themes. TV I hope I have some... Do we have some of uh, Sean's in there? Well, he's he's def- he's a few options. Keep so, an eye on him. Uh, I'm going to be watching you. You'll be so, like, oh. The way this works is uh, we play five famous, usually film scores today. It's TV scores mm-hmm. and a few opening themes, but in reverse. So you got to kind of analyze the texture of those. Robert, Kenny, um, and our guest today will pick from three multiple choice answers. And the last question is worth double. So if anybody gets all five right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account at score the podcast. Just mention hashtag name that score. Mm. And again, today's theme is TV themes. Oh so we have uh, we have five questions and a bonus question. Should we need it? Um, but uh, but I think let me see if we can get our our updated tally. I think, Kenny, you're. I think we're I think, tied. I think I'm up one, actually. Okay. All I right. mean, not that I'm keeping track. Our all-time records. He's cheating. <laughs> He's cheating. All right, here we go. Is this live, by the way? Are we live? <laughs> no. Oh, I was going to say. Just realizing. Um, right. So we have uh, five questions. The first question here, our options are... You haven't said anything regrettable, so we're okay. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah. Is this from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. Bear McCreary, mm-hmm. Justified, Jason Keaton, and Oscar Owens, or Breaking Bad? Dave Porter. Ooh. Want to hear it again? Is that it? That's, That's it. it. And it's uh, backwards. Want to hear it again? Yeah, I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is, too. So, everyone hold your answers. Who goes first? Robert. I, I, I'll fall on my sword. I think it's Breaking <laughs> Bad backwards. I think it's Dave's, Dave's tune. I'm going Breaking Bad also. Badly Breaking. All right. Points for everybody. Oh, my God. Hey. I was a little worried you were going to, like, find some Walking Dead <laughs> kind of bassy. He's tricky. Sometimes he... he yes. All right. So that's question one. Everybody the way, gets points on that. Dave Porter, great composer. Can I just... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. I, yeah. I, he's, uh, all right. So we all have one point going into question two. These are all, uh, all American-themed. Homeland. Sean Callery. American Horror Story. Great composer. <laughs> American Horror Story. Uh, Caesar Davila Irizarry. I hope I'm not butchering that. And Charlie Clouser. Um, and the Americans, Dominic Hauser. Sean's nodding his head. Sean, hold your answer. We'll make the other guys go first. Quit Anybody telling him what to do, Matt. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I think you should go. Uh, American Horror Story. Kenny's going American Horror Story. Robert, what oh, do you think? Do you want to hear it American again? American Horror Story. <laughs> do we want to hear it again? Uh, no. I, I'm... I'm <laughs> Homeland, I, American Horror Story, The Americans. I am going to cast my vote for The Americans. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh, and, uh, 
I'm hoping one of you are right because I'm copying. I decided to copy Kenny. I may if, have it, to switch. It, if, well, it's, if it's Homeland, I think I should call my doctor. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you should. All right, uh, one of you is correct, and it's Sean yeah. from the Americans. Never listening to you again. But that's not Nate Barr. He didn't write that. Uh, this, this, you know what? I'll, I'll have to double check my facts. But I have Dominic Hauser. No, uh, I, I'm. A, by the way, how it was Nate Barr? You know why it's Nate Barr? Because I think we were nominated for main title for Elementary and and the Americans in the same year, and uh, that's why I became friends and got to know him. Nate, and so we apologize. Right. Nate Barr. Um, Nate Barr. My apologies. Nathan Barr. Nathan Barr. Yeah. Um, let's move to question three. So Sean has a, a one point advantage here. It's. Two now, to, one let to one to one. Go first. No, from now on. That's all right. Question three is this: uh, These are all synth-inspired scores. Stranger Things, Michael Stein and mm-hmm. Kyle Dixon, Mr. Robot, Matt Quayle, mm-hmm. or Westworld, Ramin Javadi. Oh, this is gonna be hard. Oh, I know this one. I think I, I'm not that confident. Let, I, I, I I have a feeling too, Robert. Robert, <laughs> I defer to my coke and would, intestines. Would you, would you like to scat your answer? Would yes, you like I think so. <laughs> Westworld, Stranger Things, or Mr. Robot? Shoot, Flintstones. Me. You want to hear it again? Yes, please. That wasn't a choice. <laughs> I kind of I I'm stuck between two now. I'm kind of now saying Stranger Things because it's got that kind of Dixon and Stein thump 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 synthy analog mm-hmm. thing on the bottom. Yeah. But pretty fresh. I'm going Stranger Things just for grins. What will you do? Uh, Stranger Things, yeah. I'm thinking Mac Quayle. Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot. Okay. I'll take U.S. presidents for 200. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Potpourri for 100. Um, I, I think it's uh, Mr. Robot as well. I, 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 the, the, the driving. Give it uh, to me. That's my Give opinion. it to me. Hey, well, At least one person's right. Oh, dear. It's not, not us because you said Mac, it's not us. Two people are right. Oh, oh there we go. Oh. It is Mr. Robot. Oh, all right. Robert, oh. Robert, you're falling behind. Dixon and Stein, I apologize. I, I wanted you. Or as you, or as you like to call him, Kyle and Dixon, Michael right. and Stein. Because right. we all like to call him <laughs> from the episode. Ample on one. All right. So, uh, Sean, now leading the pack here. Three points for Sean, two for Kenny, one for Robert. Uh-oh. Moving on to question four. The options here are The Crown. Oh, no. Uh, Rupert. Theme by Hans and Rupert, yeah. Gregson Williams. Uh, Game of Thrones, Ramin Javadi, and House of Cards, Jeff Beal. Oh, that's too come easy. On, yeah, come on. Way too easy. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Robert's raising that his hand. almost sounded forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> House of Beale, Jeff Cards. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never realized you could play his theme backwards and have it. That's a brilliant compositional almost, stroke. I, there's I mean, a couple of those like that. Almost. Yeah. Like John Williams everybody going with this? Sound, yeah. Yeah. That's right. House of Cards. Well, it was like the first episode we heard Empire Strikes Back yeah. backwards and it sounded like Indiana Jones or something. <laughs> it was weird. Another great, great theme and another great composer. This yeah. show opened. Did that, did that show open win an Emmy? 
Uh, he won an Emmy. I don't know for the for the intro. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he I'm won. Sure, if the open did. Yeah, uh, when it's I, such he a won cool for sequence. He won for underscore. And when yeah. I speak uh, about film music, which I do occasionally, I use this opening as an example of music and editing together because uh. it goes digga 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 digga, and things happen on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like a it's train a great, goes great past yeah. really fast, or the cars go. It's a well done sequence. Yeah. Okay, so we're moving on to question five. This is worth double. So oh. Sean is four, Kenny is three, Robert has two. Now this question's worth two, so mm-hmm. Robert but, can still but if tie. I, you can still, and then uh, you have to go to Sean a tiebreaker, so he can force for a tiebreaker. Audience, yeah. good. I gotta stay calm. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. Question five: Is this uh, the West Wing, six feet under, Ooh. or the newsroom? Oh. That just, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> you're just gonna say the West Wing. You're la- you're in last, so you go first. Or? West Wing. No, I'm <laughs> gonna go last. with newsroom. I'm going with that. I'm trying to sing the newsroom theme. I, I'm almost certain that's newsroom. Definitely West Wing. <laughs> Sean knows his stuff, man, <laughs> and Kenny too. <laughs> I love this theme. It sounded so newsy. It's still West Wing. So nice. I really so love this theme too. Yeah. The theme was way better than the show. <laughs> you know, and there's two it. versions of it. He had to do he did yep. the second version. This might be the second one, actually. Yep. I can't, you know, I can't. Oh man, let's just play this for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> this is so nice. That's going to do it here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Clear blue skies, uh, uh, that, 65 that was, degrees. And I don't know, I, I don't even know if he was nominated for that, but that 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 was a really, that was wonderful. Yeah, that that I get goosebumps hearing that. I don't, I don't think, know why. I think it's very very cool. Yeah, it is. It's you might have re- got goosebumps too because uh, it's cold. I think you just won the game. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the. Has anybody? Has any? Has it, should we do? Win the should game we do a mostly. mostly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not with this. Usually they squeak it out. You've run with I, probably the most really, resounding. Well, you know, I don't think you got one wrong. Um, no, it was the nope. You know, swept the table. These guys, I I know some of these guys, and they're. Great artist, so I guess I had a. We we have a bonus question that oh. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do <laughs> yeah. worth five at some points. point. Anyways, oh, we might as well might as well do it, right? Bonus question. Craft here. comes from behind. Uh-oh. This yeah. is a uh, a, a so question it, six it, in in uh, game show parlance. Do you want to risk it all, oh. <laughs> oh, no, or do you want to quit now? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, the game. I'm no gonna, deal. No 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 deal. I'm taking my I'm taking my winnings. Final answer. This is a true uh, bonus question. Then, yeah. um, okay. so question six. These are all Sean Calorie scores. Oh, oh. Well, then what do I? You know, let me step away from the table. <laughs> Jessica Jones, Elementary, twenty four. Since Sean won the game, well, he go, gets to go last. <laughs> 24. 24. Everybody's going 24, Sean. Want to hear it again? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I heard that enough in my life. Probably. That's funny. No, it's, uh, yes, that, 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 sounds like, that sounds like a little show on Fox that, uh, that I worked on for eight years. All right. Everyone got to yeah, that was done in 2001. That's an old... Did they ever redo the theme? Uh, no, we never... Well, I did a little something different in the uh, reboot with the new character. That's, that's old. I mean, it's, I still, it's 
great. I still like the theme. It's just this. It's older. It's so great. All right, so our uh, big winner today. Well, thank you. Sean you know, Calorie. Oh, it's not me. No, <laughs> it's not Robert. All right. <laughs> Can I just say that your bumper music is top? Notch, I just love it. It makes me smile. It's very good. We've had mixed reviews. Really? Oh, come on. Sounds like five pounds of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I think it sounds magical. Well, we're going to get that drop. Thanks for that new drop. We appreciate that. Um, I wanted to know, what do you watch? What shows does Sean Callery watch in his free time, if he has any? Uh, I have enjoyed... uh, What am I watching? I am watching Better Call Saul. I enjoy that show. Uh, my wife and I watch a show called Younger on TV Land. Have you ever heard seen of it. this show? It's, no. it's, it's a show about a woman in her 40s who yes, has to pretend to be in her 20s right. in order to get hired by publishing his film. It's made by Darren Starr. It's, it's just, you know, I don't know how other people feel about this, but when we're watching TV, sometimes we just like to, ah, just watch TV. So it's like, so I tend to choose shows that are, you know, just easy on the... Less the, stressful? The, the, yeah, just I'm not <laughs> analyzing the, the scores all the time, but, but I always listen. I mean, I, I love listening to... Yeah. Uh, but let's see, what are, what are my other... How about this? When you're flipping through the channels, which show of yours mm. would you stop and watch? Mom for Christmas, for sure, because it's never on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, good. I'm very proud of that. Listen, Go over to Robert's on Christmas. You can watch I, I don't know if other guys would feel this way, but when you listen to early stuff, like La Femme Nikita or something like this, I mean, you really... There's a beginner's mind. To, you can kind of hear... Love that, you beginner's can, mind. You can kind of hear what you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and... But you still stayed hired. You didn't get let go, and and yet you can still hear all this sort of craziness that you're trying. So uh, I will say it's sometimes you're, it feels like you're listening to another uh, part of, or an earlier part of yourself. It's like looking at a, a picture of you in high school or something. Yeah. It's, it's still you, but it's not you anymore. So it's it, it is it is kind of uh, fun to do that. And uh, it's also sometimes you hear really unfiltered versions of your original instincts yeah. as an artist and composer. It's just fun to be reminded. It is. That's why when you know when I work with young, like I have. By the way, I have to thank. If you don't mind, I have Rob Tian and uh, was my assistant here, and he helped get us set up. And Tim Clover. These are young Tim Clover. These are young composers that are working with me nice. now. And and uh, when I'm working with young uh, younger people, look, I'm 53. So you know, I, at one point I was in my 20s working with Mark Snow, and mm. I learned a lot about uh, how he mentored me. And, and how nice. valuable that uh, that was. He was apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, he he's one of the best teachers. I mean, if, if anybody ever gets in his orbit in terms of helping bring out yourself, helping to trust yourself, mm. he has the, he has a very unique gift of, of of honoring you know who you are and, and trying to get your sound. Uh, if you have you know as you're starting to grow, as you're sprouting, he he kind of cultivates that. Beautiful. And if I had that, uh, if I could garner more of that ability, because uh, it, it 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 feels good, and you also learn a lot from from people who are exploring and doing new things. So it's um, it's been a lot of uh, it's been it's that's been, so nice, and it's so much a part of the composing tradition to yeah. pass it on. Yeah, I mean, we we spend a lot of time alone. I mean, as you yeah. know, and, and 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 socializing is is something we love doing, but we don't do it enough. And yeah. And I know we're all competing with each other, so there's all these dynamics that we have to balance. But um, I think our peer group in the academy—I I don't know. To me, I served on the board, you know, when Jeff was on it, and Jeff Beal. It's just a strong time. I mean, it's a strong time. It's a good time for music. The music supervisors are now part of our—you know—they—they they, they have their own ME. So we have a lot of. Um, I think there's growing. There's a lot of great music and growth. So I actually think it's a, first of all, it's a perfect segue because it, you're articulating something that's one of the most wonderful parts about what we do and this podcast is part of which is there's a film and television music community yeah 
both, uh, I mean, it's very strong in Los Angeles, certainly extends to New York and London, but it is a supportive community. Sure, we're all competing and and out there during the day kind of doing our best to win the prize, but I really feel the camaraderie among everyone. We played the Homeland theme in Ghent with, and I had, as a trumpet player, Jeff Beal. Oh, nice. and the oh drummer, cool. And the drummer was Jeff Russo. Oh, you know, great. And so, so yeah. they... they and we sounded terrible. No, I'm kidding. We sound, no, we sounded great. We sounded no. It was great. honestly, it was such a special thing to play with two other colleagues. You know, because yeah. Jeff is great. He's an artist, and he, he, the fact he knew how to drum was a bonus. Jeff is, was a trumpet player and is a trumpet player. So for us to kind of perform because the first time I ever composed we like bass, we, we pro- the TV uh, the composer All Star Game. Benoit Gray. <laughs> oh yeah, Benoit. Uh, Benoit I he, know. he played bass, yeah. and I he's my sort of like you know go to bass rock. player. He's, he's, yeah, and he played on all my stuff. Yeah. Well, Sean, uh, we want to thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, having you on the show. This has been kooky fun. I mean, I had no idea what we were going <laughs> for. It's a real you, so goal gonna... of mine to get you on this, and I'm so glad we did. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, let's get you scatting back at the... Bewitched? Can I hear Bewitched? And good luck, by the way, on your Emmy nomination coming up. Coming up for Jessica Jones. And if you haven't watched Jessica Jones, I was pleasantly surprised. I had no idea what it was going to be about, and I've dove right in and i'm really i'm, I'm into it yeah it's that really means a good. lot i appreciate it it's a it's a i think it's a brilliantly made show Kristen ritter is amazing carrie Ann moss is amazing i'm leaving i always hate when i call out actors because then when i don't call out the other actors it makes <laughs> it feels like i'm dissing them but it really is a, an extraordinary show to put work on well thanks so much for joining us Thank uh, you. reminder to our listeners sean ran the table which means we're giving away a prize on our twitter account at score the podcast just use the hashtag name that score and also be sure to rate and review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app if you like what you're hearing. And for those of you that didn't win Name That Score, I have a great feeling in my heart for you because sometimes just being a loser is a kind of <laughs> awesome place to be. Thanks for joining us. Matt, Kenny, Sean, we'll see you. Cheers. Cheers.